Good day, Harvest Fellowship, and welcome, and welcome also to anyone else who happens to be watching this post. My name is Ian Wilshire. I am the director of the Christian Counseling Center in Harare, and uh, we've been there for some 23 and a half years now. So it's a great privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you. I imagine that you are seated uh, in your lounge around your device, whether that's a laptop or a phone, and so I thought I would be seated as well as if I was in your lounge just uh, sharing God's Word. Uh, I would recommend that you have a Bible with you. Um, the, the advantage of, a, of a, a recording like this is that you can pause it and go and get it if you need to. I'm going to be looking at Exodus chapter 33 and 34. So why don't you go and get your Bible and just turn to that page, uh, Exodus 33 and 34. And then we'll read together. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I'll write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And that really is going to be the theme of what I'm talking about this morning. No one has to come with you or be seen anywhere near on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up the mountain early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favour in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in the world. The people, will live among, the people who live among you will say, How awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today, and I will drive out before you the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and all the other ites. Uh, so verse 12, Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going or they will be a snare to you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So, before Easter, I was reading my way through Exodus uh, in my morning quiet time, and I arrived at these chapters, chapters 33 and 34, just as we hit the lockdown. And these two chapters have been particularly meaningful to me. And I believe that the Lord is saying something to me, but I believe he's saying something to us all. Uh, and especially how we can use this lockdown. And I, I don't know, at the time of this recording, I don't know whether our president is going to extend our time or not. But I think the principles uh, are valid nonetheless. Let me start by giving a context to this, this passage. You'll know that, that God uh, used Moses to deliver Israel and lead them out of Egypt after the ten plagues. And then, then God led them to the Red Sea. 
And then he hardened the Egyptians' hearts. And so the Egyptians then pursued the Israelites. And so the Israelites ended up with the Red Sea on the one side and the Egyptians on the other. And they cry out to God. Uh, in Exodus 14 and verse 4, the Lord says, I'll gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. Uh, and so uh, they are terrified, the Egyptians, the Israelites, um, obviously, they're between a rock and a hard place. And so Moses speaks to the people and says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need be still. And I think that's a word for today. It's not what I'm going to focus on, but I do think that that is worth a story worth reading and taking on board ourselves. And so we know the story how um, Moses stretches out his arm and his staff and God divides the Red Sea and makes a way for the Israelites through the Red Sea. And then he covers the Egyptians. And so he makes a way for the, the Israelites and he destroys Israel's enemies. And then he leads them through into the desert. And he provides water and manna and quail, despite all the grumbling of the Israelites. And they led to, to Mount Sinai, where God makes a covenant with Israel. And Moses is summoned up the Mount Sinai, where God meets with him and gives him the law, the Ten Commandments and the law for Israel. But Moses spends such a long time up there that the Israelites get impatient. And they persuade Aaron, that's Moses' brother, to melt down their gold jewelry and they make some idols with it. And of course, God is furious. The Bible says God tells Moses he is angry enough to destroy them. And Moses intercedes for the Israelites. And God doesn't blot them out as he, as he threatened to do so because of Moses' intercession. But he did strike the people with a plague. That's in Exodus 32 and 35. So that's interesting, isn't it? I'm not going to dwell on that, but it is interesting to note that. And so that brings us up to those intriguing chapters of 33 and 34. So please have your Bibles open and, and let's have a look at some of these verses. And in verse 7, we read of the tent of meeting where Moses and Joshua went out of the camp and they met and conversed with God. And we, see, we read these remarkable words in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. I just find that such an incredible verse. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friends. Isn't that remarkable? And the Lord tells Moses to leave and to go to the promised land. But he says, I'm not going with you. You're a rebellious and stiff-necked people and I'm not going to go with you. And so Moses says something very key in verse 15. He says, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I wonder, do you covet the presence of God? Is that something that you seek? Is that something that you deeply desire, the, the very presence of God? And we will long for Him if we know that we need Him. We will long for Him if we know that the abundant life that Jesus promised is found in Him. We, we, we long for His presence in our lives. And so we continue uh, in verse 18 Moses then adds something critical it's such an interesting verse verse 16 of chapter 33 how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us and then he adds this what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth 
See, Moses is saying the distinguishing feature, the thing that stands out to the people around us is your presence, God. Is that what distinguishes you? Or is it your status, or your wealth, or your house, or your social skills, or your sporting ability, or your money, or your education? What is it that, that stands out for you? What is your distinguishing feature? For Moses, it was God's presence. That's what makes the difference to the people around about us. In the book of Acts, uh, we read of Peter and John who stood up to the very people who crucified Jesus. And in uh, verse 13 of chapter 4, we read this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, what was distinctive, what stood out, what distinguished Peter and John was that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't their education, they weren't educated. Uh, it wasn't their professionalism. It wasn't being slick or erudite. What stood out to the people around about, about Peter and John was that they knew that they'd been with Jesus. What's your distinguishing trait? And then the Lord says to Moses, uh, I'll do the very thing that you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Isn't that interesting? Moses had a very real and personal relationship with the Lord, a relationship that came out of spending time with the Lord, those face-to-face -face conversations. And so Moses wants more though. He says, now show me your glory, is what he says to the Lord. Show me, what he's saying is, show me more of yourself. I'm reminded of Paul's words to the Philippians, and he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider everything a loss compared to that surpassing greatness of knowing you, Jesus, as my Lord. And so the Lord obliges with Moses to some degree. He says, I'll pass in front of you and will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And when he talks about his name, that represents his character. So when the Lord says, I will proclaim my name, the Lord, he's saying, I'm proclaiming my character. I am the Lord. And his lordship is demonstrated in that next statement. It's a, it's a difficult statement, uh, not an easy statement. It says, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. Uh, the Apostle Paul quotes that very statement when he's teaching about the sovereignty of God in Romans chapter 9. You must have a look at it sometime. And it seems that, that the Apostle Paul is saying, saying that, that that seems unfair, that God would have compassion on who he wants and, and have mercy on who he wants. And by implication, not have compassion and not have mercy on who he wants. He says that might seem unfair, but Paul says, but who are you to talk back to God? You can read it later. It's not an easy passage. But I think it's declaring just this, that the Lord is Lord over all. I don't know if you've heard that expression, there is a God and you're not Him. Uh, I think that's kind of what the Lord is saying here, that He is the Lord. I don't want to spend more time on this, but sufficient to say that God was and still is revealing Himself and proclaiming His name and firstly as the Lord. But His revelation continues uh, in the next chapter and I want to focus on this next chapter now. 
Let's start from verse 2 of chapter 34. God calls Moses up the mountain and he says, Be ready in the morning and come up on Mount Sinai. And there's those words. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. As I read those words, I, I, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Use this time, use this lockdown to come up the mountain to present myself to him. He was asking me to do that. And I wonder if he's not calling you to do the same. Lockdown or no lockdown. Verse 3 says, no one is to come with you. Come alone. Find a secluded place. Find a room or a place in the garden. Some place where you can come up the mountain and spend time with the Lord. A friend, I have a friend who prepared a place in the garden for this very pur purpose. To approach the Lord. Uh, hang on. Um, do you mind? You don't mind, do you? Of course you mind. Of course you mind. What is it saying if I answer my phone now? What it's saying is this person here is far more important than you. Well, if that's what it says in our everyday face-to-face, -face, surely it must say something about our time with the Lord. So put it away. Put it right away. Don't answer it. Focus on the Lord. Come alone, the Lord says. And Moses went up very early in the morning in verse 4. There's no law about this, but early in the morning does mean that we're not inter inter interrupted by children and other people and other activities. It's before the day starts. And here's an, a very exciting thing. I get so excited when I read this verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. You see, the scripture promises that if we come near to God, he'll come near to us. Isn't that amazing? That's in James chapter 4 and verse 7. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. And God will meet with you. As you climb that mountain, he'll come down to be with you. He'll, his presence will be with you. I find that so encouraging. But why did the Lord call, call Moses up the mountain? What was his purpose? Well, let's look in verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Again, he was proclaiming his name, revealing himself to Moses. Verse 6, the scripture says, He passed in front of Moses, not behind him, not to the side, but to the front. Again, proclaiming who he is, revealing himself to Moses. This time he is a bit more specific about the name. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to be angry, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's verse 6. And this verse has just such huge significance as evidenced by the number of times the same verse is quoted throughout Scripture. I'm not going to give you the references now, uh, but I'll ask Don if he will put the references on the screen and you can pause again and write them down and read them if you'd like. A number of references that, that quote this very verse. But this declaration of his character starts with the Lord, the Lord. He repeats himself, I am the Lord, the Lord, emphasizing his sovereignty. And as we climb up this mountain and spend time with the Lord, I pray that he would reveal his majesty, his authority, his dominion over all the earth, including over corona and lockdowns and world governments and whatever. And I pray that as he comes down onto your mountain, 
that you'll see his splendor and his power and see that he is the father in heaven. He rules from there and he remains ultimately in control. Isn't that encouraging? Last weekend, uh, as I was reading about Jesus' trial, when the high priest was questioning Jesus, and he said to him, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus said, it is as you say, but in the future, this is what Jesus said, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. And that's where Jesus is right now, seated on the right hand of the Mighty One. What a hope that we have. One day, every knee will bow before him who is at the right hand of God the Father. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But let's do that ourselves willingly now as we go up this mountain and spend time in his presence. Let's acknowledge his lordship over our lives. And that's not going to happen, that revelation of his lordship, unless we spend time with him. Many have said that this uh, coronavirus period has been a judgment of God and, uh, and that it should bring us to repentance. And I'm sure that they're right. Uh, but it's more than that. Uh, Isaiah had a vision of God. And you remember it in Isaiah chapter 6. And he said, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and his train filled the temple. And the angels cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the temple shook. It's another shaking. And Isaiah saw something of the majesty and the holiness of God. And Isaiah's response is, to this vision is very interesting. He says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. You see, his, repent, his response is repentance. As he sees the lordship and the majesty of God, somehow when he sees himself in comparison to that, it brings him to a place of repentance. It brings him to his knees and he, he cries out, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And in Isaiah's vision, the angel brings a coal from the fire and cleanses Isaiah's mouth, his unclean lips. And so as we confess our sinfulness, the Lord is faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. But the revelation of God continues from the Lord, the Lord, and he uses various adjectives to describe the traits of the Lord. Let's look at verse 6. He says, The compassionate and gracious God, slow to be angry, abounding in love and faithfulness. How full that verse is about the character of God. God is answering Moses' prayer and showing him his glory. This is who God is. I wonder, do you know this about God? Do you know this deep in your heart? Is this buried in your soul? Have you experienced that compassion? Have you received that grace of the Lord? Do you know how patient the Lord is with you? Slow to be angry? And especially, do you know that abounding, unfailing love that He has for you? I pray that as you go up the mountain, God would reveal these things to you, not just in your head, but in your heart. The Apostle Paul prays uh, with, to the Ephesians, he prays a prayer and he says, I pray that you might know the power so that you might grasp the love of Christ, the length and the breadth and the height and the width, the depth of that love, that love that surpasses knowledge, 
It's interesting that he prays for power to grasp that love. It's like we need a revelation. We need a supernatural encounter so that we may take what we know in our heads into our hearts, that we might know something of the compassion, the grace, the patience, the love, and the faithfulness of God. He's revealing himself. And as you go up that mountain, I pray that you might have that same power to grasp that love, grasp something of who God is, that you'd have a supernatural revelation of who he is. But you need to spend time with him for that to happen. What I found very helpful looking at these verses and other verses as well is to personalize them. And so to say, uh, thank you, Lord, that you have compassion to Ian, to me. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your grace, and I receive your grace personally. Thank you that you're gracious to Ian, and thank you, Lord, so much that you are patient. You're slow to be angry with me. Oh, Lord, where would I be if you weren't? So personalize it and drink these things in. And then don't forget that last adjective, his faithfulness. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. He'll keep his promises to Ian. Isn't that amazing? And he'll keep his promises to you. He is a faithful God. Thank you, Lord. So this revelation continues by describing his mercy and his justice. Again, I'm, I'm not going to spend time. Uh, but I, I encourage you to, to take time to meditate on these truths when he talks about uh, how his love will, will extend to generation after generation. His mercy will extend from generation to generation. But, but he will bring justice as well. But spending time in his presence, meditating on these verses, you'll get to know him. Get to know something of his mercy, but also something of his justice. So what was Moses' response after God had revealed himself like this? Look at verse 8. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. I think that's the most appropriate response, isn't it? To acknowledge who God is and to respond in praise and worship. What a good God he is. And as you spend time up the mountain, and as he reveals himself to you, do spend time worshipping him, praising him, acknowledging who he is to you. And then in verse 10, we read how the Lord confirms the covenant. That's the old covenant that he has with Israel. But we have a better covenant. We have a new covenant when we are able to come boldly into the very presence of God. That's what Hebrews 4 verse 16 says. Ian spoke about this last week on Easter Sunday uh, when he talked about when, when Jesus died and how the, the, the temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom and that place was made for us to go into the very presence of God. And so we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Isn't that amazing? So that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. I want to draw your attention to one more aspect of God's revelation of himself. In verse 12, God says, be careful not to make a treaty with those who you live with, because he says they will corrupt you and they will be a snare to you. And then verse 14, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Again, the Lord is revealing himself. And he wants you to know that he's jealous. But what does that say of him? Why do we get jealous, do you think? Is it not because we love somebody and we cannot bear to see them chase after another? Isn't that what jealousy is? 
And so our Father and His Son loves us. He loves you and me. And He longs for us to turn our attention to Him and to only Him. And He gets jealous when we get distracted by worldly things. I think something of this lockdown is taking those things away to make us realize we don't need them. But God gets jealous when we get distracted by those things. God is, of course, God, and He's complete in Himself. He doesn't need us. But His love does make Him vulnerable, and vulnerable to being hurt when we are distracted by other gods and other things. I think that says something about the depth of God's love for you and me. He's a jealous God. I want to close by mentioning two results of spending time up the mountain. Uh, look at verse 10. Before all your, your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation or the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Now I know that this is a promise to Israel under the old covenant that God would bless them if they obeyed the, 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 the law. But I believe the church is the new Israel. And as believers, we're children of Abraham. And even more so under the new covenant, I think we can take these, these promises for ourselves, that God would do something incredible amongst us and that people that we are amongst will say, wow, those are awesome works that you're doing for that person. We have our backs against the wall at the moment, don't we? I, I certainly do. I think about our own uh, situation and the situation of the Christian Counseling Centre. And I wonder somehow how on earth we're going to survive. And I'm sure many of you are in that same situation. But God. He's going to do works never before done. The day I read this passage, uh, a prophecy given by a South African lady was sent to me. You might have seen it. It did the rounds. The essence of the prophecy was that God would give new ideas, innovations of how we can continue. And I took that to be the Lord's confirmation of this promise from Scripture. That as I spend time seeking the Lord, He will inspire. He will give me those ideas. He will guide me. He will do wonders and others will see how awesome He is. And I pray that for you as well. The second result of going up the mountain is that we'll be transformed into his likeness. Have a look at Exodus uh, verse 29 and verse 30. It talks about the fact that uh, Moses' face was radiant. His face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And again, when all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near. Isn't that amazing? And the Apostle Paul uh, refers to this scripture when he writes to the Corinthians and he says this, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and we who with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory, we will be transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Apostle Paul is saying that as we gaze upon him and we get to know him and we see something of his glory uh, and we know something of that revelation as we contemplate on who he is, so we ourselves will uh, be changed. We'll reflect something of that glory.
there's the promise that by His Spirit, He'll reveal Himself, and as He does so, He changes us from one degree of glory to another. So that's the second thing that I think that God will do for us as we spend time up the mountain. And so, folks, I'm convinced that God has had a purpose for this lockdown. And if it's extended, I believe there's purpose in that as well. I'm convinced that a big part of that purpose is an opportunity to go up the mountain, to spend time with the Lord, and to see His glory, and to know His presence. To take extra time, and to, to go to a depth with the Lord that we've never known before. And even if our present doesn't extend the lockdown, even more important, then we don't need to go back to same old, same old. Just making a plan. Instead of making a plan, let's make time. Let's make a place in which you can ascend the mountain of the Lord. That verse, present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain, the Lord's saying. So make a plan to not plan, but to seek him instead. And that scripture that comes from Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 14, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you. I pray that as you spend time up your mountain with the Lord, that he will reveal himself to you in such a special, special way and that you will uh, be able to claim some of these promises. Can we pray as we close? Almighty God, we uh, thank you that we can come to you. Thank you for this opportunity that you give us. Thank you, Lord, that you've invited us to come boldly into your presence. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we get distracted by the things of the world and by busyness and by things. Help us to put those things aside and to make this time just to be with you. And Father, I pray that you would give us the power to grasp your love, to grasp your majesty, to see your compassion and your grace and your patience and your unfailing love for us and your faithfulness. Help us, I pray. And Lord, we forgive us when, when we have made you jealous, when we have been distracted by these minor things. I pray that you'd help us to repent of those and just to dedicate ourselves to spending time with you. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Good folks, so nice to be able to spend time with you in your lounge. Uh, do take time. If it can't be now, do take time. Uh, to spend time with the Lord, and I pray that he reveals himself to you in such a special, special way. Thanks so much.